Well, well, yes, yes, I'm telling them. I will tell them. Oh, uh, hello, everyone. Sorry, no time for a big introduction today, as Zill has already pressed the button on the randomizer, and it's... Well, yes, I am going to tell them. I will tell them. Will you just shut up? And it's... Yes, Zill says to tell you that it's Thunderbirds, Edge of Impact. Right, and also that you all smell. Oh, no, 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 that's what Zill... No, that's what Zill says. That's what Zill says. So, welcome back to Thunderbirds on the Randomizer, and welcome to the episode, uh, I think this is probably, if you were going to give an award for an uh, episode title that... Proceed with attack on installation one. That basically means nothing, I'm sure this episode would take, would take the top spot. It sounds so cool, Edge of Impact, until you actually really sort of stop and think about it, and, uh... You know, it's not... It, you know, there is an impact. I'm not quite sure what the specific edge involved with that is, but uh, my goodness does it sound cool. And uh, this is a very, very cool episode if you like... Especially if you like aircraft. We're opening in uh, unnamed country Stan. But this uh, fighter jet is uh, going through its paces. About to attack... Well, it's a real... It's a it's new footage of a, a boat, which suddenly becomes stock footage from an episode of Stingray, Star of the East, I think. As, as our title comes up, this captain looks at his, uh, you know, he's, he's blown up a, a small installation, a sort of small power plant thingy, and watching from a nearby bunker are General Bron. That will do. Return to base. And the Hood. Well, now are you convinced? General, I am beside myself with admiration. <laughs> I always thought that was a very unhood-like uh, line. I'm, I'm beside myself. I'm so excited. Master of the land and sea as well. Um, what about the air? Arrow. Red arrow. What is that? Surely no aircraft is superior to what you have just shown me. Yes. In speed alone, the red arrow can outmaneuver us. I want you to do something for me. A little favor for which I shall repay you generously. And I love that at the mention of money, the Hood's eyes light up. All rivals must be removed from my path. Do you follow me? Perfectly, General. Perfectly. Very well. All prototypes of Red Arrow will be destroyed. I think that's the only time Hood's eyes light up when he's he's with another person. He's and he's not using them to uh, hypnotize somebody. Perfectly, the Red Arrow is doomed. I think that's a lovely touch that they might just light up when he gets excited. Um, it's probably why he doesn't go out in public very often. Uh, anyway, over at London Airport, all personnel to clear test area twenty. It's our old friend, Commander Norman. security conditions will be operating throughout test procedure, and I want airport activity to be reduced to an absolute minimum. Yes, um, we're now at London Airport. This is the same London Airport as seen in Trapped in the Sky and Operation Crash Dive and, uh, and later episodes. It's now operating. For some reason, this civilian airport is being used to test a military aircraft. Begin the photographic alert procedure. Yes, sir. Again, being worried about people taking photographs of things. Yeah, why would you shut down a civilian airport to test a military jet? Wouldn't you do that out of a military airbase? Okay, get the hangar cleared and give me the pilot. 
Hangar now clearing, sir. Pilots on channel two. I also love Ray Barrett's voice for this uh, this character. And of course, here we go. Another fantastic jet that, uh, instead of moving the, the jet out of the hangar, we'll move the hangar off of the jet. Because uh, that, by far, is the uh, the easier thing to do. It it doesn't make any sense, but it's glorious. I love when they do things like that, especially considering that the red arrow that is ultimately revealed is quite a small jet. I love as well that the music ends on that slightly ominous note. But I'm sure all the uh, the holiday makers and so forth are really really pleased that London Airport has been shut down to. Uh, to test this red arrow thing. Normal airplane that you will be taking up today. I want all flying instructions carried out to the letter and no more. Is that clear? Yes, sir. All right then. This Here's is a uh, pilot named Race. Take off and climb to six thousand feet. Meanwhile, in the airport car park, one of the few civilian vehicles that's apparently made it into the airport today, the North Pole Laundry Service. Uh, which you can, of course, now buy the uh, the logo from as a as a badge from the Jerry Anderson store. I don't think it will be going very far today. Ah, that's it. The hood, in disguise as a uh, a laundry guy. Well, here we go. Good luck, sir. Thanks, Norman. And that's the first time I, I think Commander Norman is named on screen. It's also the first time he's appeared on the randomizer in an episode, at least. So that's very exciting. That's it, Race. Good luck. Now, this was an episode that, um, as a kid, I had uh, I had one shop-bought Thunderbirds tape, and that was it. And it wasn't even episodes; it was. Some uh... aircraft you've got there. Oh, here we go. Sir, what a performance! What a performance! I love that guy. Uh, yeah, this was a tape released for the I think thirtieth or thirty-fifth anniversary of Thunderbirds. It was part of a series of four. Uh, Heroes and villains, the machines, great disasters and great rescues. They were 50-minute compilations. I had great rescues, and this was on there. Airspeed 4000. In a, you know, it was a 50-minute compilation with clips from like 10 different episodes. This was one of the episodes on there. Hold your airspeed below 4000. I always remembered looking at the, the catalogue of episodes that were inside the tape and thinking... Oh, if I could watch one of the episodes for full again, this was the one I wanted to see. Your airspeed. Because I remembered it being so good as a kid, and when I finally got around to watching it again, it didn't disappoint me. It's uh, it's always been one of my favourites. Hold off course. I don't think it's quite top tier Thunderbirds as such, but it is certainly a solid, solid B-grade episode. But uh, Race is having some trouble with the red arrow. Dropping. He's uh, having trouble breathing, and it's Here she comes. quite um, quite an unpleasant end for this character. And it is, I think, the Ellen. the first death in Thunderbirds. It is working even better than I dared hope it would. Obviously, it depends what what order you watch the series in. But yeah, Racer's collapsed at the controls. The uh, Red Arrow is coming in for a crash landing, and you don't often uh, see death in Thunderbirds. He's Black Arthur. So when you when it does come, it's uh, it's quite. Uh, Quite a surprise. Red arrow from GB7. Bail out. Repeat. Bail out. It's not a surprise to Commander Norman, of course, because, you know, this is his airfield. If, uh, you know, just disasters are a part of the normal day for him. And, uh, oh, I love those uh, emergency vehicles tearing across the place. 
Yeah, it's, it's quite strange to think that uh, having done the randomizer for, what, three years, this is our first visit to uh, to London Airport. Um, well, proper at least. It may have appeared in, in stock footage. She's going to crash! In other episodes, but uh, you know, getting the last vehicles away from the hangar before... Kablooey! crash zoom on the face of Colonel Casey and uh, race is dead. Oh, what went wrong? What went wrong? Although uh, Casey doesn't seem particularly bothered. That's a very big fire though that uh, has engulfed the hangar. Possibly uh, quite a bit too big for the tiny fire engine that it's arrived to, uh, to take care of the problem. Anyway. It's breakfast time on Tracy Island. Re There's that newspaper that appeared in Joe 90 quite a bit. Red Arrow test flight tragedy. Colonel Casey to be replaced. This is the episode it comes from. Red Arrow. Colonel Tim Casey says that in spite of the crash, testing would continue. Though he would no longer be super... The Tracys are having a breakfast of Kellogg's Open Flakes. They've taken a, a cornflakes packet and uh, replaced the C with an O and the R with a B. In the early days of space travel? That's right. Looks like he's got quite a problem on his hands. Gosh, you'd think they could eliminate all fault conditions before takeoff was attempted. Well, don't... Yeah. Red Arrow is powered by twin rockets, and that's still a pretty new field, you know. Yeah. It's not like Tim Casey to test a new project and make a slip. Yeah, you'd think they'd, they'd put stuff out there and it wouldn't break. Sabotage. What makes you think that, Father? Because, well, you know, how often has... Uh, a mighty powerful weapon. ...has a, a, a new vehicle been tested on this show and uh, it's completely fallen apart the first time it's been tried out? It's very rare. Anyway, over at the Hood's pad. Oh, that's an unusual shot of the temple. Uh, ah, the most delicious feast, my friend. The Hood actually has company for once. He's, he's entertaining. Your mood of celebration. Yes. He's laid on a, a massive feast for his friend, General Bron. You have indeed served me well. Presumably he doesn't have a, a cook. He's laid this on all, all by himself, unless he's uh, uh, ordered takeout. I was forgetting General's brought a nice treasure chest for the hood. Again, his eyes light up because he's getting excited, but... No, we can't have that. Soon, Red Arrow 2 goes out on test. It too must fail. It will. It will. Good. Then when the entire Red Arrow project is abandoned, this casket will be yours. You must not fail me in this. My own aircraft must not be superseded. I will not fail you, General. My country of wherever the heck it is I live must not be jeopardized because, uh, I don't know. We've got pl big plans for wherever it is that General Brown lives. Uh, uh, there's uh, uh, something approaching the island. Seems to be traveling. Yeah, this is uh, Brains's lab. Well, one of Brains's labs. Um, uh, a distance away. I assume it's a lab because there's, there's, um,. Equipment around the place, sciencey stuff, but there's also Brayman uh, making his uh, second appearance in the series, just standing there, completely, uh, completely immobile. Of course not. And of course, in original broadcast order, this was broadcast before Sun Probe, so it was broadcast before Brayman was even introduced. You and the general being buddies in the early days, you might have talked it over with him. You and he were buddies, weren't you? Hold it, boys. Something's up. Ooh. We're not expecting visitors, are we, Father? I don't think so. Unless it's some more of Tintin's admirers. 
more continuity that again doesn't make sense the way if you watched this on original broadcast order this would have been shown before end of the road when uh, Eddie Hausman was around. Approaching on high altitude flight path uh, 408, Mr. Tracy. Okay then, Brains, keep tabs on it. 408. Uh, okay, Mr. Tracy. Well, that's not a commercial flight path. Well, that's not a commercial flight path. Oh, it is quite um, worrying that. Uh, you know, I remember lines from these shows, that's fine, but I remember really unlikely lines to remember. Yeah, and what's that? Operation cover-up, yay! I like that it's sort of a, not a joke, but it's a kind of, don't forget to do the thing. So who's this aboard the Skyhawk or Skylark? I can't make out the writing. Oh, now I can, Skyhawk. Uh, uh, well, uh, Little yellow plane thingy. The, the island of Moila, uh, he's heading straight for our, our base. The island of Moila. Again, that's the only... I think reference to there being other islands around Tracy Island in the the books and the comics sort of expanded universe um, International Rescue had the Mateo Island which was a sort of uh, engineering base and, and, and storage facility that they would use to repair vehicles if needed but um, ooh, this is all looking well I like the way they're presenting this as a possible attack on Tracy Island. Were it not for the fact that you can clearly see that it's Tim Casey being flown by a pilot who's wearing a similar uniform to race. So we know it's not really going to be a, an attack. The plane wasn't dropping a missile, it was just unfurling a banner saying, Greetings, Jeff Tracy. Because the first thing that uh, the Colonel Casey did after poor old race's funeral well, you know, w whatever passed for a funeral, he went off and had this banner made. Bless. Oh, what happened? They didn't attack. Sounds disappointed. I'll be. Just take a look at that. It's Tim Casey. Boys, looks like we got a visitor. Does it read the same both signs or both sides, or does it, you know, what would it read the other side? Earcart, Fedge, I don't know. Um, anyway, having had the uh, Red Arrow, which again is, uh, is a real-world display team, we're now heading over to another real-world thing, a BT Tower, British Telecommunication Tower, and there's the hood at the base of the tower, looking, well, some people have said it does look like he's, uh, he's, he's having a tinkle before getting on with his latest evil plan, but he is, in fact, attaching a, uh, another homing device. To the tower. Good. I do love the 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 not just the image of this huge, very thin tower, but um, I mean, you know, the the thing looks like a complete death trap to start with, which is always good for a Jerry Anderson show. You want the thing to be a complete disaster waiting to happen. But I love the the backdrop painting of the uh, the moody sky. It looks very atmospheric. This is the relief measurement speaking. I've checked the cross dungeon at 200 feet. You shouldn't have a thing to worry about in tomorrow's storm. Oh, fine. We sure feel a lot happier now. Thanks for checking it out for us at such short notice. Don't mention it. <laughs> I'm glad to help you out. Good night, then. Good night. Oh, I love Pleasant Hood. That's something I wish we could have seen more of. Don't mention it. I'm glad to help you out. Oh, all I have to do is wait for the next test. Of Red Arrow. Oh, what's the matter, Tim? Still worried about that test tomorrow? 
Still got the uh, death of an innocent colleague of yours on your conscience, Tim. Ah, I wouldn't worry about it. Double checked. Red Arrow One should never have crashed. Well, here comes Brains now. Maybe he's found out. It is strange, actually, that Casey seems more concerned with the plane than the pilot, which I suppose is a kind of Thunderbirds thing to a point, at least with guest vehicles. I, I, I can find nothing to fall. Uh, thank you, Brains. I was sure that Red Arrow was sound. She should never have crashed. Well, yeah, but Casey in particular is just very annoyed about the loss of the plane rather than the pilot. Race doesn't even get a mention. ...was sabotaged by uh, some sort of homing device which the pilot was uh, uh, unaware of. Oh, well, the pilot. Would be one way of slipping through security. Uh, yeah, well... Uh, no mention of his name. ...a small detector which could tell the pilot uh, whether it was being diverted uh, uh, during the next test. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for your help, Brains. I think I ought to send Goddard back to the base now. I love how he doesn't sound particularly appreciative of Brains' work. It's, oh, yeah, well, you know, I suppose we'll do it, but... Uh. Okay, Goddard, off you go. Thanks for the ride. Good luck with the test. Sorry, I won't be with you. So shall I, sir. Now, don't forget to watch the diversion detector that Brains has given you. If you think it'll do any good... So Goddard is heading home. Meanwhile, back at the BT Tower... Just as well we got that station fixed. We have the engineers Jim and Stan. Palm tree in a monsoon. The storm has reached Iceland already. Looks like we're in for a swinging time. Ooh, even more than usual. Yeah, I've always felt that uh, Jim actually looks a lot like Greg Proops. Uh, the glasses and the hair. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else feels that way, but regardless, we are now loading out Red Arrow 2 for another... No doubt, highly successful test flight. And again, no doubt, uh, London Airport has been shut down. Maybe they've put the fire out in the hangar, I don't know. Hangar's open, Sam. Thanks. <laughs> Jolly decent of you, what? Dash, dash, good thing of you to do, what? Oh, I love Commander Norman. I suspect that's possibly the only reason why they're doing this test at London Airport. Because they're not... They're not really reusing the set of the airport as such. They're not using the familiar control tower, either model or puppet set. This looks like a, a brand new room. The only familiar element of all this is Commander Norman. So I I suspect this is just a them wanting to reuse a, a, a jolly nice guest character. Red Arrow 2 to GB7. And thank goodness they did. I, I would, as much as I don't understand performing a, um, a, a the test of a military aircraft at a civilian airport. Well, the storm's definitely on its way now. I just love that it's Commander Norman in charge because it's one more bow on his uh, Spider Storm? His uh, you know, long string and catalogue of absolute chaos. Causing it. There must be an aircraft in the vicinity. It can't be. There's no flight path for miles around here. The only explanation would be if there was a lunatic airport controller who signed up to do military testing. Yes, sir. I'm veering off course. I tell you, this plane is flying itself. Mm. Building to a very exciting scene. This is the same trouble as before. You are already 80 miles off your flight path. Off? You are over open country. Dip your nose to a crash position and eject. GB7 from Red Arrow. Diving now and ejecting. Well, at least we're not going to lose this pilot. Goddard is taking the uh, the wise step of bailing out. 
Um, but of course, the uh, the homing device is pulling the red arrow off course towards the BT Tower. This is GB7, aerial test control to UK International Tele Relay. We have an urgent message. GB7 aerial test control. Is there an outside chance it's not London Airport? An unmanned aircraft in your vicinity. An unmanned aircraft? <laughs> we advise you to evacuate sky control. What's the betting that's not even the silliest thing that Commander Norman has had to report to someone over the course of his career? It's probably a million to one chance we get hit. Yeah. Well, they wouldn't have told us to evacuate Sky Control unless we're in real danger. Now, for Pete's sake, get that elevator up here. Quick. I can't believe both of you don't turn up to work every morning thinking, my goodness, one day this thing is going to fall over. It's it's just, it's as thin as a matchstick. Elevator's on its way, Stan. But it's glorious. I love the build-up to this as well. The music. Oh, I love this music. Um, the storm sound effects, the lightning. You know what's coming. You know it's absolutely inevitable. Attention, Sky Control. The unmanned aircraft is on collision course for your tower. Collision <laughs> course? Oh, Commander Norman, I love you. Come on, will you? But the music... I, I don't know, I, I don't think you can pin down one element in any really memorable sequence of Thunderbirds. I don't think you can really pin down one element that makes it work more than any other. I believe it. Whatever it is that's drawing the red arrow off course must have fantastic power. But without this music, oh. And two has landed safely, sir. And despite what I said, that was, um, that was actually a shot of the regular London airport tower, so this must, this test is being conducted from the same building as the, uh, main control room. Where's that elevator? It's too late. Here she comes. Hang on. Oh dear. That's it. There's the impact. I mean, it was on one side of the tower. Does that count as the edge? I don't know. It's, but it's a very cool title and a very cool image. Although not so much for the guys inside because the thing is now swaying. Jim, this place is going to go over any minute. We're trapped. And um, considering these two are fairly underdeveloped characters, I mean in terms of Thunderbirds guest char characters, we haven't spent much time with them. I do like both of them. I am concerned for their plight, which uh, doesn't always happen. Positive, sir. The diversion detector was registering definite interference. Right. Thank you. I only hope they'll accept it as evidence of the inquiry. Oh, I'm sure they always accept your evidence for every disaster you've ever had. How did Goddard get back to the tower so quickly? We do. We can never get them out of there. A helicopter would be out of the question with that storm raging. I don't think you dare launch another aircraft at this point. Oh, they broke the teacup. How much... How much longer can we go on like this? Yeah, I don't know if it's familiarity with this part of the episode in particular, having watched it so often on that tape. International rescue. But I do like these guys. They can. And there's really nothing to them as characters. We don't know anything of their hopes and dreams as such. We just know they're two two ordinary guys uh, working in a tower together. Seem to get on all right. I don't know where you boys get your energy. Take it easy. Oh, what is she wearing? It's an exhausting game of checkers. Yeah, and we're conserving our energies for that walk around the island that we promised the Colonel for this evening. Where's the Colonel now? He's down at the pool with Father. Ah. So it's another busy day on Tracy Island. Hey, uh, some place you got here, Jeff. Lots of smoking going on. One thing that baffles me. What's that, Tom? I just can't figure what you do with yourselves all the time. I mean, those boys are yours. 
Just they ought to have something to occupy themselves with. Well, we smoke. We do a lot of that. Oh, he's got an emergency light on the uh, the garnish in his drink. Thing, Jeff. This would have to happen when we have a visitor on the island. Oh, I'll chuck him in the pool. Trust Colonel Casey. Oh, that's not the point, Tintin. Was there a, a Thunderbirds Argo fans, the CGI show? There is a Colonel Casey in that, isn't there? I, I admit, I, I haven't seen much of that. I don't know too much about it. I've, I saw the first two episodes and it wasn't, it didn't grip me, so I, I didn't go back. But uh, that's a nice element of the original series to, uh, and there's two men to pull back and uh, reinvent. A conventional rescue would be impossible. Gosh, I'm sorry to hear about the Red Arrow. I'm not going to enjoy having to tell Tim about this. But first of all, we got to get out there and save these two men. Yay! Jeff knows what's what. Yes, sir. It's not about the plane, it's about the men. You go and get Virgil up here. Yes, Father. Tintin, you got to get Tim Casey out of the way. I don't care how you do it, as long as he doesn't see what we're doing. All right, Ooh. Mr. Tracy. If I was uh, a bit immature, I might uh, put some raunchy music over that. But I won't. Because it's launching time. Get moving, boy. A moment's delay could mean the difference between life and death. But you you told me to come in here. Out of the way. Virgil doesn't even say anything. He doesn't even have any dialogue there. Now, do you mind telling me what this is all about, Tintin? Sorry, Colonel, but we just heard that there is a water mamba in the area. It's a rare tropical mammal. You, you may never get another chance to see one. There it is. Quick. Hey. Hey, wait. I like this as well, the way Tintin is used to uh, lure Casey away. Mr. Tracy, I'm taking the colonel down to the underwater cave. Give me a call when the boys come back. Good work, Tintin. Wait, we have underwater caves? Clear to go. This is Thunderbird 1. I've been in contact with Danger Zone. They say, ah! International Rescue. Local conditions reported to be very bad. Boy, it must be tough on top of that tower right now. So this is a very cool shot of uh, a close-up on Thunderbird 1 as its wings extend as it swoops in to make a landing. I also like with the build-up to the, the launch, which has of course now happened, um, it was mostly played in silence until uh, Tintin had got Tim Casey out of the way. So if you ever need to grab the sound effects of um, the Thunderbirds 1 and 2 launch hangers for any projects you may be working on, that is a jolly good place to grab them from. And here we are on a very wet model set. Um, lots of water flying about the place. Thunderbird 1 looks very soggy and the lightning just keeps keeps going. It's uh, They do a really good job here in establishing that uh, conditions for this rescue are absolutely terrible. Even if it does give the impression that this storm has been raging on for uh, at least about 12 hours by this point. Thunderbird 1 landing on its wheels, which was a, a rare sight after the first episode. Danger zone. There's no place here to set up a control center. I'm going to operate from Thunderbird 1. Because okay. I don't want to get my hair wet. Point five minutes. Right. Channel in remote camera. Oh yeah, the remote camera. This was a thing, wasn't it? it this was in a pit of peril as well. I love the noise it makes. Um, I kind of like the look of the thing as... Not so much as a camera, but if it had been a vehicle, that might have been quite a nice vehicle design. As it is, I'm surprised they don't use it more often in the show, actually, but I can also see why they don't. Okay, it would be useful during rescues, but it, it does eat up a bit of time during the uh, the episode. 
but it does allow Scott to see where precisely the uh, the tower is broken. Look at that main stanchion, Virgil. It's nearly gone. Take the camera up to the top, Scott. Let's see what shape they're in. Be with you in two and one half minutes. Let's see if they're crying yet. Well, this site is pretty dangerous, Virgil. When you come in, land on the west side, away from the impact area. Oh, Scott has got such a great voice. Impact area, right? So that's the. Uh, is that why it's called edge of impact? Because you want to, you don't want to be on the east side of the impact. This mess. Yeah. But the steel work can't hold out much longer. I suppose edge of impact sounds cooler than side of impact. But they've seen the camera. Oh, what the heck's that? I don't know. That means that someone is down below. Despite what Scott said, actually, about uh, landing, it doesn't really seem like there's a particularly safe place to do so, because, uh, like I said, it's a very tall tower. It could topple in any direction. But it is one of those structures, as with the London Carview, where you look at them and think, who signed off on the, the design and construction of this thing? It's just beautiful. It, it would only be in the Anderson universe that you'd find something as insane as this. I, I hope. Nice landing, Virgil. They make it snappy now. This thing isn't going to last much longer. We're as I said, you know, I'm afraid of getting my hair wet, so you do the work. I'll stay here and direct you. And, of course, coming out of the pod, we now have this, um... Oh, I can't remember what the exact name for this thing is, because, um... Oh, I love that shot of Scott watching watching the pod door open from the safety and dry of Thunderbird 1. He just looks like a little kid who's cheesed off that he can't go outside and play today because it's raining. Yeah, here comes the mortar cannon thingy, um, which had also been seen as the cutting machine in 30 minutes afternoon. To be honest, I'm not sure if it's meant to be the same vehicle with a, you know, where they've just removed and mounted a different attachment or if it is meant to be a different vehicle entirely it's definitely the same model um, more or less with Alan at the controls this time and the tower has almost run out of bits to fall off it interestingly on the model shot um, the little figure of Virgil is wearing his uniform but the puppet is wearing a, a raincoat I get the camera up there Another of the secondary stations gave way. Now make it quick as possible. I'm still not going out there. And it, there is, a, I think, a continuity error coming up where Alan asks as much longer, Jim. Virgil if he's okay before anything's actually happened to him. Or we'll be down there beside them. In bits. Ooh, that's an image. Are they going to get up here, Jim? Are you okay, Virgil? Yeah, yeah. Nothing's happened to me yet, but I'm fine. Seven, eight. Yeah, there's some debris scattered around Virgil there. Seven, but as yet, we haven't seen the debris fall on. Wind velocity, force eight. Check. Okay, Scott. I also wonder in scenes like this, and I think I've said this in Stingray as well, when puppets are in the water, just how well protected they were against the water, if it was potentially damaging to them at all. That to attempt a rescue. They can't just leave us up here. They've got to try something to get us down. International rescue. All systems go. Good luck. Rescue. Go. Yay. Shoot things at the tower. Hey, what's going on? An international rescue low-altitude escape harness. A pair of them in a tube. And it's nice to see uh, international rescue having equipment like this that that isn't reserved for themselves. Um, 
Because basically these guys ultimately have to save themselves. They've been given the gear. They have to put it on and uh, figure out how to use it themselves. Which I think is probably m closer to how a real rescue organisation might operate. The tower has nearly run out of bits to fall off at. Come on. Don't make me come out there. You know I don't want to. Okay, Jim. You first. <laughs> I'll watch you fall to your death, and then if it doesn't work, I know not to try. Come on, Jim. Here I go. Come on, do it. It's just strange there's no music for this escape sequence. But I also like that the guys on the ground can't see what's happening. These poor puppets look uh, look very battered and bruised. They've been through the wars a bit. Scott's still inside. Yeah, there's that shot of Virgil almost being hit by debris, which I've always wondered was meant to come bef just before the shot of Alan saying, Are you okay, Virgil? Because at that point, nothing had happened to him. But there goes the tower. It doesn't collapse with a, a, an explosion or anything, but uh, a rather satisfying collapse there nonetheless. Gee, those poor guys. They were just seconds too late. This is the first time International Rescues failed. No, fellas, look! Look! We did it! We did it! They're safe! Yeah, define we there, Scott. They're safe! And when I get over to them, I am going to give them such a telling off for making me get out of Thunderbird 1 and get my hair wet. And Virgil has spotted the homing device. Gee, I sure wish there was something we could do to vindicate Tim Casey. Perhaps this relay tower crash will bring something to light. Uh, uh, how's the uh, uh, operation uh, going, by the way? Well, I don't like to pester the boys with needless radio calls. I like this, well, very casual attitude between Jeff and Brains to the uh, the rescue operation. Oh, yeah, that, I don't know. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine, really. Managed to save the two relay operators, Father. Yay. Well done, Virgil. Are they okay? Yes, they're okay. Yay. Father, we've just found something that may have accounted for the disaster. Because we what don't see them after that. I'm putting it on the other channel. Perhaps you or Brains might have some ideas about it. Shows how minor Jim and Stan were to the whole thing. We don't even get the international rescue saved us moment. Hmm? I, I think we have the solution, uh, uh, Mr. Tracy. Uh, uh, this will account for the uh, red arrow uh, uh, going off course uh, uh, during testings. Right, Virgil. Inform the police that the saboteur is most likely in the area of the relay tower. Well, no, what are the chances of that, really? It was hours ago. Why is he still around? Anyway, in other news, the hood is still around. At last. I guess he stuck around to watch the crash. Destroyed. But he sure didn't make good use of the time afterwards. Will be mine. Surely he knew he would have to make a, an escape, but no. He just, I guess he stopped off at a motorside cafe or something. And what are the chances he's spotted by the police? They will never catch up with me. Not unless I stop for a un unexplained considerable period of time, which is very unlikely. I love the uh, the design of this. Um... Oh, it's a maintenance van now, isn't it? Yes. But he's wearing his laundryman disguise. An ambush. They cannot stop me now. I am structural repair laundryman, and I'm going through the roadblock. Yeah, why is he wearing his laundryman disguise? He wasn't wearing that at the tower earlier. 
Is that why he's taken so much time? He's dressed himself. He's, he's been delivering laundry. I don't know. This is six seven one, calling General Bron. Explain my motivations to me, please. General Bron. I do like this vehicle. I, I I seem to recall. Was it made as a toy? Discovered some evidence at the relay tower. If not, it it should have been. It's quite quite nice, quite simple, and quite nice. Don't you know you can never get away from international rescue? Already I have managed to shake off the police. I'm dressed as a laundryman, by the way. Don't know if that helps. We tried to warn him that the bridge was down, but he deliberately drove through. Well, we better go and see what's become of him. I adore these policemen. They're so casual about the hood's almost certain demise. There he goes. Kablooey! Well, no kablooey, because again, there's no explosion. The van just floats down the river. You must fend for yourself now. Oh, and all that laundry that may or may not be in the back of his uh, structural maintenance engineer's van, that's going to be all soggy now. I'd like to have seen more of those policemen, though. Well, it looks like he's fallen off the cliff. Oh, well, never mind. You've shown me over 20 underwater caves, and we haven't seen a mamba yet. Oh, but, Colonel, you must see a water mamba before you go back. This is a beautiful uh, swimsuit Tintin is wearing. Nice uh, floral motif to the thing. But, Colonel... With a light on top to indicate when the boys have returned. All right, then. Perhaps we ought to be getting back. And it's a rather thankless uh, subplot for Tintin to sort of be shoehorned into, but it's nice to give her something to do. Exactly as it was before the rescue operation. It's nice that she has some use around here beyond just uh, well, here's the news we've got for him. Making coffee. Let me tell it. Or delivering coffee. Well, hello, Tim. Coffee-related things. We just heard on the newscast that the Red Arrow sabotage case has been split wide open. Oh, that's great news. Who do I have to thank for that? International Rescue, Colonel. They found that Red Arrow was being drawn off course by a homing device placed by saboteurs. Virgil, I told you to let me tell him. Real enterprising. They've also sent out a request for you to get back to the research base at once for reinstatement. Well... Research base, meaning London Airport? I'm, I'm, I don't even know what, what's going on anymore, but... They certainly were. I like this as well. Tintin basically giving an aside, almost a wink to the camera, sort of, you know. She knows and we know, but he doesn't know. And there he goes, off on the Skyhawk. Jeff and Tintin waving him off. And as he goes, he's got one last banner to unfurl. Oh, why do... It looks like on Casey's um, helmet he has a picture of a grumpy sunflower. If you look at it at a certain angle, as my head just was then, that's a fun image, as is the image of the Skyhawk unfurling the banner, thanks Jeff Tracy. What a nice way to end uh, what is a, a lovely episode of Thunderbirds. As I said, it's always been one of my favourites. I wouldn't say that it is top tier, but it is definitely definitely up there as, as one of the best. Uh, I I adore the imagery of the, the tower swaying in the storm. I love that we've got the hood around being uh, 
well, working for someone else, which uh, was never quite, never quite felt right to me, but uh, I suppose it makes sense, and General Bronn is a, a nice enemy. We also have um, nice guest characters in Jim and Stan. As I said, I don't feel they were, they were used to their fullest potential, but they're used just enough to make you feel uh, sympathetic for them. Tim Casey is a nice character, although ultimately he doesn't really do much beyond, uh, well, for the second half of the story, he is largely gone, as you might expect. And, uh, of course, Commander Norman. <gasps> Who doesn't love Commander Norman and his patented wacky madness? So, uh, all in all, lots of uh, really strong elements to this one. Lots of elements that make up a really good Thunderbird situation and an episode. Um, not, the, not, not perhaps the greatest rescue, despite what my tape claimed but uh, certainly a lovely disaster a lovely rescue scenario that is realized very effectively and very enjoyably <laughs>